Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. What is it exactly? And more importantly, is it a biblical concept as many progressive pastors and influencers have claimed? Well, perhaps. But then again, maybe it's more akin to an emotional outburst based on a fictional narrative camouflage in the sophisticated language and the redefining of classical terms by the so-called critical theory experts with its Marxist subtext spun cleverly by the brainwashing media and shamelessly proselytized by the self-proclaimed enlightened gurus of our time whose slogans, sayings, and acronyms get splattered across our smart devices by the ever-so-popular thumb-tapping social justice warriors who, like some Frank Ferdian Molotov cocktail, exploded onto the scene using quasi-clever rhetoric that's heavily promoted by woke influencers and the virtue signaling celebrities of our time. But what do I know? Let's throw out some facts and compare things to scripture so you can make your own decision. And that's what we're going to do in the second segment today with today's guest, Carl Kirby of Reasons for Hope. He's the co-founder. It's an apologetics ministry equipping, empowering, and encouraging Christian families. The website is r4h.com. We discuss today the brand new book that I've got in my hands is called Did Jesus Commit Suicide? And 27 Other Questions Teens Are Asking About the Bible. Carl Kirby, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Mr. David, you guys are always such a blessing to me. Thank you. You're welcome. And I put that teaser at the very beginning, thanks to Travis, our producer, because there are so many good clips in that brand new video on critical race theory. And, and guys, uh, it's, I think you're really going to be blessed and be able to refute some of the lies and the talking points of the left when you hear this video and when we talk more about it. It's called CRT is Biblical, and of course the video is debunked. So, Carl, let's start right there. The debunked videos are relatively new. You haven't been doing them you know, for the whole time you've been at Reasons for Hope. Tell us about this progression. I know you're trying to reach a distracted audience, that, that there's so much information and these go fast. So tell us a little bit about the debunked videos before we get into the book. Yeah, no. Well, actually, we've been doing debunked videos for 12 years now. Wow, um, really? Yeah, yeah. We did six of them when we first started. Well, we did one 12 years ago when I was with uh, the previous ministry that I was with, but they hated it. <laughs> <laughs> they hated it. They said, no, it's way too much information, way too fast. So I ended up doing another video series for him called Check This Out, and that slowed everything down, took out a lot of the tongue-in-cheek humor, and just kind of made it more factual type stuff. And then when I started uh, R4H in January 2011, it was about a week or so into it, I was like, hold up. They didn't want debunk, so I own it, so we started making them. Well, we made six of them that first year in 2011. Wow, okay. But then... It was, if you remember 2011, that wasn't a real good year to start ministry, if you know what I'm talking about. I don't remember. It was, it was a bad time economically. Okay, that's and, right. Uh, okay. Yeah, so we were struggling, man. And so uh, we couldn't make any more for a while. And then uh, we, we would make one every six months or something like that. It was super frustrating. But about two years ago, and that's kind of, I think, what you're referring to is kind of when we said, you know what, we got to do this. Either... Yeah. 
we believe in these things or not. And so we, we believed in them. We started producing them. And so now we're producing any, anywhere from, uh, I'd say, three to five a year, depending on, you know, funding and everything. But they have been blowing up, man. I mean, that first one we did was they couldn't fit all the animals on the boat, and that had over 2 million views Jeez. on you on, uh on uh, YouTube alone wow. until they shut our, they shut our account down. So we lost all the views and we had to restart it and all that sort of a thing. Uh, but we've now got them going up on TikTok and on TikTok, we're over a million views on TikTok. And the same thing is happening now. Uh, they're trying to shut us down again. I was telling you earlier that uh, we're, we had a guy who's got a show that's got 1.3 million followers and uh, he, he went after the debunked on the fossil record. And now, Every day, 100 to 200 of his followers are writing in letters of complaint to the TikTok people. And if they get enough of them, then they shut you down for spreading false, uh, you know, misinformation. Of course. And so we're having to respond to that right now. So we're in the middle of this response, a 10-part response to their 32-minute response of our four-and-a-half-minute video. And uh, they're, they're connecting with people. They're designed to start conversations. And we actually started off our response, and this guy said, Praise God, this is doing exactly what we wanted. We want people to talk about these things. And so, yeah, they're geared for the younger generation, animated, fast-paced, bring on the information. It's a boxing match. Stick and move, man. Let's go. So I exactly now I understand how you kind of revived them and brought them back and committed yep. committed to the debunked yep. videos. By the way, TikTok, that's the kind of platform that this kind of fast-paced stuff, you know, grabs you. And so yeah. thank you for doing that. But it's it's not surprising that some of these big tech uh, media conglomerates are trying to shut you down. So I'm assuming you're staying on these platforms and then eventually you, you, you're going over to Rumble and some of the others. Tell yeah. us a little bit about where else you're at. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're on almost any uh, uh, electronic social media thing that you can get into because <laughs> we made the decision that we're not walking away from TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook and all that stuff uh, because this is where the interesting conversations take place. Mm. Uh, we are trying to reach the lost. We want to challenge them. I want to step on their toes. I want to be salt in the cut. Uh, I want them to think, bro. So we're not going to leave those places. But we also want to be out there uh, that we can reach out to fellow believers because we're trying to put tools in people's hands. It's, I Look, I understand. I'm not a real outgoing person, quite frankly, until the ministry it gets involved. I'm a guy that will hide in a crowd, but when there's ministry, boom, then it just kind of comes out. Mm. So I don't like talking to people that I don't know, but in the course of a conversation, if somebody makes a statement like, well, everybody knows there's no evidence for God, I find it very easy to say, hey, I've got this short video. Can I show it to you? And you tell me what you think about it, because now the video is the thing that they can make fun of, and I don't feel so bad because they're making fun of the video, even though I made the video. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's yeah. Like, <laughs> It just gets a conversation going. So those are the tools that we want to put in people's hands so that they can have great conversations with people because I believe that ministry, evangelism, is a conversation, not a presentation. I like the way you put that. It's a conversation, not a presentation. Um, mm. And because we want a response. We would love to get a response when we're having this conversation. It should be a back yeah. and forth, not just a blurt it all out and then leave. Um, so yep. Reasons for Hope has... A, a YouTube channel and the debunked videos. I know I just subscribed to that as well. Uh, they're they're mm -hmm. separate YouTube channels, so people can subscribe there. Uh, your website r4h.com um, is is it dot com or dot org? R4h yeah dot com. We got them all. We yeah. got all of them. Okay, so Pastor Carl, let's get into your book. Um, yeah. Did Jesus commit suicide? Why couldn't you think of a more provocative title? First of all. <laughs> 
And David, one other place that folks can get those uh, debunked videos is our app. If you go to your app store and you just type in the ministry name, reasons, plural, for, F-O-R, hope, look for the blue asterisk on the black background, every video that we've ever produced is, in a, is on the way of being put up there free of charge. I, I was telling you guys earlier, I don't even sell DVDs anymore. If mm. I've got some, I take them out and put them up for a donation. Wow. But we're not producing any more DVDs. We're... Because I, I got so discouraged when people came up and said, I can only afford one DVD. Which one should I take? And I, now I'm saying, take all of them, download the app, and watch that stuff free of charge. Because I want you to have tools. That's really genuinely our heart. If we were surviving by DVD sales, we'd have been gone a long time ago. Mm. So, uh, And now the book. The interesting thing about the book, I've been for years now going in and speaking at these youth camps and everything. And I've got three other speakers that are with me now. And what we do on day one is we hand out index cards mm -hmm. and say, okay, guys, what is keeping you from selling out completely for the Lord Jesus Christ? Write that down because the rest of the time that we're with you, that's what we're going to address. We don't go in with a preconceived idea of, I'm going to talk about where did Cain get his wife? I haven't been asked where did Cain get his wife in probably three years, okay? Huh. Um, there's other questions that are being asked now. This generation has been taught to think in a different way. So we put out the index cards. They turn them in. So that title actually came from a camp in California, him at California. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm about 20 minutes into a, uh, a, a, a Q&A session pulling questions, and we don't, we don't pre-screen them and throw out the ones that are hard. Uh, 20 minutes in, I pull this out, and it says, if suicide is a sin, didn't Jesus commit sin because he committed suicide? Now, that's the first time I've ever been asked that. So this book, all the other questions are ones that are some of the most commonly asked. Yes. That one was, that one was so provocative. Yep. And to me, there was so much thinking going into it. I said, we have to, we have to spotlight that one in this book uh, because I had never thought like that before. But that's where this younger generation is. That's really. And so that's where it came from. And, and it's really deep if you think about it because Jesus yeah. purposely went to the cross. I mean, he right. even rebuked Peter for saying, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. And he yeah. said, get thee behind me. I am going to the cross and this is going to happen. Jesus set it up, his own yeah. you know, crucifixion. So that's a fascinating if you think deeply about this and theologically. So how do you approach that in your answer? Well, fortunately, I have Juan Valdez who works with us. And Juan's a smart guy, and yeah. he's a Ph.D., <laughs> but I didn't have him there. I didn't oh, have no. him there, so I had to come up with a response, man. Um, but, but here's what happened with all these questions. The reason we finally did this book is I've got a ton of these questions. We're actually going to work on a version two of the book now. But I, what I did is I came back, and I went to my buddies, and I said, guys, this is one of the questions. How do you respond to it? Because I wanted to test myself to see if I was like, measuring up with what the smart guys thought, right? Mm. And and Juan's approach was so good is like you you you've got to define what is suicide. And did uh is what Jesus did on the cross suicide? And the answer is absolutely not. There's a main major difference between suicide and sacrifice. And so mm. uh, he did not injure himself. He did not want to die. As a matter of fact, if you if you if you think about what did he do the day before, Father, if it's possible, yes. take this cup away from me, man. Mm. So this this is totally different from suicide. This is a sacrifice, and it's the same as we have. Oh, remember just not too long ago, Ukraine, the uh, the uh, the gentleman that ran out on the bridge, mm. and he had to 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 do something to stop the uh, Russians from invading, and he went out and he did it, but he was killed in the pro. That's not suicide. That's a sacrifice, and there's a major difference. And so, Juan wow. did a really good job in going through that. And that would that 
was my approach, but I didn't go in it as deep and deep as as one did in the book, which is a phenomenal response, quite frankly. Yeah, I love that. That's really good. By the way, friends, if you just tuned in, we're speaking with Carl Kirby, co-founder of Reasons for Hope, and the new book is called Did Jesus Commit Suicide? And there are 27 other questions that teenagers are asking about the Bible. Um, well, let's jump ahead, and I'm thankful for Juan Valdez. we got to get him back on. It's been a while since we talked yeah. to Juan. Uh, but there, there's some really good questions, and I know you don't want to yeah. give away all the the length, <laughs> lengthy, detailed answers, but if you could just give us an overview, particularly I want to just jump toward the end of the book. And chapter, yeah, yeah. chapter 24, you know, when we're growing up, uh, when many of us were growing up and asked why we we're a Christian, we just said, because uh, I believe the Bible. Uh, why do you believe the Bible? Well, well because it's true. Um, there's a question in chapter 24. It says, how can you use the Bible to prove the Bible? That doesn't make sense. And, you know, that's, yeah. a, that's a very fair question, and a lot of people wonder about that, Carl. Well, absolutely. And uh, one of the things that we have to point out is that the claim is going to be, well, that's circular reasoning. You're using the Bible to prove the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. You can't do that. Well, quite frankly... That is not what we're doing. Uh, It is not circular reasoning to use Matthew to show that what Mark was teaching was accurate or what John was teaching or to use Luke to show that what was being taught over here is accurate because we have compiled the Bible from various authors and put it into one book today, but that's not the way that it was originally written. So this is not one book. These are individual authors who we have compiled. And it would be the same as taking 24 witnesses and and using one to justify or deny or destroy another witness's testimony. So uh, it's not circular reasoning. And so it is appropriate to use these individuals' accounts Mm. to either confirm or to deny what these other witnesses were talking about. Mm. That's excellent. And obviously there are sources outside of Scripture, outside the Bible, that write about uh, Jesus, those times, Pontius Pontius Pilate, the crucifixion, what happened during those times. Um, So, yeah, there are a lot of other sources, too. So, But, yeah, oftentimes we need to go in a little bit in depth when we're defending our faith and not just say, well, because— because God said so, or because I believe it, you know, we need yeah, yeah. A, a lot more than that. So thank you. That's an important question. Now let's go to the back. Let, let me, let go me, ahead. Let me throw something in there, David, yep. because it's interesting that you bring that example up. I, I just got invited. I'm speaking out in Iowa uh, for Easter, and this is the first time ever. I, I never speak on Easter. I guess, you know, apologetics, most people are like, uh, they don't want to give up the Easter service in the first place. That's like one of the two big service days, so mm-hmm. pastors typically keep that day. Mm. But he asked me to come speak out there. So the, the topic that I took on was there's no evidence for the resurrection debunked, you know, doing our debunked, make the statement, then debunking it. And when you do start looking at the actual evidence to support the resurrection, the crucifixion, the fact that Jesus was a real person, it is overwhelming. Mm. And it's not just the Bible confirming the Bible, as you said. There are, just, let's just take the the appearance of Jesus to different people after the resurrection. There's over nine, no, I'm sorry, not, not over. There are nine sources, nine sources that confirm this. Most of the things that we know in history are restricted to maybe one or two. Nine sources showing that Jesus appeared after he was crucified on the cross. That 
is a massive amount of evidence mm-hmm. when you're taking anything like this in, uh, from the history into, a, into account. Well, plus, there's just so much we could get into. I think of 1 Corinthians 15, and Mm. it spells out the gospel at the very beginning, first eight verses. And in those verses, it talks about who, it names names. Who did Jesus appear to after the resurrection? And it names names, and a lot of the New Testament books were written during the lifetimes of these people who were alive. There is so much. There's archaeological evidence. There's fulfilled prophecy. There's there's eyewitness testimony. we don't oh, yeah. we don't give the credibility in in these contexts to the Bible like we do in our modern courts of law, do we? No, and I got to tell you, you brought up First Corinthians fifteen. This is one of the key pieces that I've got in my in this resurrection talk because here's what struck me about that as I'm doing this research. So First Corinthians fifteen, and if I could challenge people today, please just go read First uh, uh, Thessalonians chapter one. Just read the first chapter. I mean, and and, and put this in your mind. When was this written? We're talking that this was written within 20 years, okay, mm. of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all right? And it was written by a murderer who had become a believer, all right? I mean, we're just <laughs> going to keep this in concept. Here. Within 20 years of Jesus' resurrection, the one who for three years was tracking down Christians, hunting them, putting them in prison, holding the coats of the people who are stoning Stephen. Mm. He becomes the believer, and then he writes 1 Thessalonians, and he writes Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And when you read, for I delivered you as first importance that I also, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This is within 20 years of the resurrection from a murderer who became a believer. Mm. And when he was talking to the Thessalonians, he did not have to explain, this is what I mean by the Son of God. This is what I mean when I say, Lord, these people already knew this. This was established fact right after, I mean, within literally within days of the crucifixion. Yeah, we've we've got two minutes left in this segment, Carl. But oh, sorry, th- sorry. No, no, no. I I want to mention there are portions of scripture that were actually used as either prose or poetry, or they were actually using these to memorize them, including First Corinthians yeah. uh, uh, fifteen verses, I believe three through eight, and also Philippians chapter two. That m- wonderful hymn of hymns, Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. There are portions of scripture that they were memorizing. So yeah, yeah they knew these things by heart. Yeah, and absolutely. so um, we are going to actually uh, save, I'm not going to ask you one of these questions on these other chapters before and only have a minute for you to answer. So, <laughs> so I'm just going to look in the table of contents for a minute. You can take a little break, Carl. Um, All right. And just for a minute or two, and I'm just going to share some of this table of contents. Uh, Juan Valdez Thank is in you. here. You're in here. Of course, uh, the, the questions, um, wh- why does God create? Look at words in questions. When people ask questions, sometimes it's just one word. For example, why does a holy God or a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't yep. send them. Anyway, so this question in uh, chapter uh, part one, why does God create homosexuals and then condemn them well that's not even a it's it's a lie it's a lie within the question um so why is abortion wrong if god allows us to choose there's the free will fascinating questions here throughout the book did god use evolution to create the world that's one of the things we're going to talk about when we come back but i'm going to skip toward the end and a fascinating discussion with carl kirby um on page 161 of the book, were the days in Genesis really, quote, 
days. And so we're going to get into that 24 hours. What's a day? More with Carl Kirby. The book is called Did Jesus Commit Suicide? Coming up next on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Carl Kirby, and he is one of the co-founders of Reasons For Hope. The website is r4h.com. That's the letter R, 4h.com. So we're talking about the brand new book, Did Jesus Commit Suicide?, a lot of different chapters in here. Uh, before we get to your particular question on days, <laughs> Carl, um, let's talk about did God use evolution to create the world? I think that's a fascinating question because yeah, you look yeah. at some of the things and how things, quote, evolved, and, well, yeah. did God use So how do you how do you address that one? You, and to me, it's a great question. And the first thing that we have to do is we have to define our terms. What do we mean by evolution? And so when I'm doing this talk, I'll show a clip from uh, our favorite guy, Bill Nye, the science guy. And, uh, <laughs> and he, <laughs> he defines evolution in one of his old episodes, which I grew up watching. You know, he was fun back then. He's turned into a grumpy guy for whatever reason now. But back then he was fun and quirky. And it was change. Living things change over time. Big changes, little changes. That's evolution. And you're like, well, if that's evolution, we can't argue about it because trust me, I've changed a lot since I got married. I've changed like 70 pounds, man, so I have changed a lot. That's a big change. So if your definition is change over time, then there is no argument. Absolutely things change over time. But now what we have to flesh out is does those do those tiny changes add new genetic information so that something like a scale can get roughed up to turn into a feather, as in the supposed dinosaur to bird evolution? Uh, can you take a... A, a, a lung and get a lung from something that doesn't have a lung through slow gradual processes. And the reality is, no, we use a non-Christian uh, gentleman who gave the quotes that not one, not one mutation has ever been observed to add genetic information. What it does is takes existing information, rearranges it, or even loses it, but it doesn't add anything. If you want to get evolution in a molecules-to-man sense, then you need to have some mechanism to get new genetic information added into the genome, and that is where you don't see anything. So did God use evolution? No. God created. He created kinds that had the ability to be able to respond to a, a fallen world because he knew that we were going to blow it, and he created us with the ability to adapt to a fallen world. That's speciation. People will call that evolution, but that's, that's why I don't even use the term microevolution, macroevolution, because it gets so confusing. That's speciation. That's reality. Mm. That's how you get all the different looking dogs from two dogs and all the different looking people from two people. Yeah. But reality is we're still people and they're still dogs. Amen. And the word kinds comes into play there, doesn't it? Yeah, 11 times the scripture uses the word kinds. So when God tells us that he created kinds, that's exactly what he meant. And when you go to the fossil record, which we're now responding to Mr. Forrest, I love this one, man. It is so fun doing this response. <laughs> uh, when you look at the fossil record, it's exactly what God said in his word. You find that this thing stayed this thing and never changed from or into anything else. That's what Darwin said in his day. 120 years later, that's what Niles Eldridge said. 150 years after Darwin, that, that is still being said today. And when, uh, when uh, he took the, the gentleman force that was really coming after us, I told you about his attack on our debunk video, he's like, 
you're using this quote. You can't use this quote because he believes in evolution. Yeah, he believes in evolution, but he has to give a response as to why you don't find the fossil record. And the reason we or the, find the evidence and the reason we don't find the evidence is because of the imperfection of the geologic record. Mm-hmm. So what are you telling me? You don't have the evidence. You got a reason why you don't have the evidence, but you still don't have the evidence, which proves my point. Yes, exactly. Good stuff, Pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. We, we have another guest that's a pastor. His name is Carl. I, I've called you Pastor <laughs> Carl twice now. So, uh, Carl Kirby, let's uh, look at the contents of the book, Part 1, Social Cultural Concerns, Part 2, Refuting Evolution, Part 3, Christianity, Part 4, Biblical Answers, and Part 5, The Character of God. Well, let's go to one that you address, and that is, yeah. were there uh, were the days in Genesis really days? So I know you, there's a lot of uh, detail that we can't get into on the radio, on the podcast, right, right. but you can give us a little overview on your approach to answering that important question. Yeah, it really is. And most Many folks don't understand that it is important because— uh, one of the first things that I'll do when somebody asks me, why should I care about that? I'll ask a question. I say, okay, can you please fill in the blank? The wages of sin is, and you know it, 99% of the people are going to get it right, even if they believe in God or not. Uh, that's one of the most commonly known Bible verses, death. Mm-hmm. Well, if the days in Genesis were not real, quote unquote, days, then the wages of sin is not death. And we've got, we've got no hope, quite frankly. Mm. So um, I start off with that because then it's like, okay, what? Well, because if the days in Genesis weren't real days and the earth is millions of years old, then don't tell me the wages of sin is death because I'll take you out and we'll go dig dinosaur bones, which I do every June, July. I take a group out and we go dig dinosaur bones. And we're digging in, uh, digging in layers that they date anywhere from 68 to 70, 72 million years old. <laughs> well, what do we find there? We find fossils. What's a fossil? That's a dead thing. Did Adam live 70 million years ago? No. So don't tell me the wages of sin is death when I can show you dead things long before Adam was ever dreamed of. Mm. I don't believe that, but that is a tool that the world can use to get a generation to doubt the Word of God. Yeah. So yes, God did use real 20, approximately 24-hour days, and it's so clear in his writing. When you go to Exodus 20, verse 11, in the middle of the fourth commandment, God with his finger in stone for in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is and rested on the seventh. So we know how we get a month because of the moon. We know how we get a day. We know how we get a year. A day is morning, evening, morning, first day, evening, morning, second day, evening, morning. Oh, by the way, I think that's a term that was used in Genesis 1, <laughs> evening, morning, first day, evening, morning, second day. So God made it very clear that the process that he used were approximate 24-hour days. At the end of the sixth day of creation, everything was perfect. No death, no tear, no sorrow. That came about because man rebelled against him and said, no, thank you. We can determine what truth is on our own, and we are suffering the consequences now. Hmm. But if that history isn't true, then why did Christ die on a cross? Hmm. Hmm. Wow, a lot to think about. Um, and yeah, the, I mean, you can go through the you can go through the Hebrew word yom and how it can be used because people will tell you, well, it can be used for a long period of time. It can be used for this. It can be used for that. It absolutely can be. But when you read context, context. you always know the meaning of the word. Yes. And when you read Genesis one, there is no other way. Evening, morning, number. Evening, morning, number. Yep. Evening, morning, number. It was almost as if God was said, I'm not going to let you mess this up. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm yet. Going, I'm going deep on this, bro. You're not going to mess this one up. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> we have messed mess it up. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the very last verse in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God saw all that he made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, right. and there was morning, the sixth yep. 
day. And as we know, yep. God rested on the seventh day. So, Carl, yep. um, it's, it's confusing to a lot of people that even Bible-believing Christians, and we don't break fellowship over this issue, but why is no, it so no. important that, that we believe literally that these were 24-hour days when there are Christians that believe uh, it, it could have been millions or billions of years? Yeah, and that's why I always start off with that question, fill in the blank. The wages of sin is, because what happens is, is the moment that I allow for those days to be anything other than real days, my, my first, I wonder, I've always wondered why. Why do I want those days to be anything other? Is it because of anything taught in the Scripture? No. It's because of, well, science has shown that the earth is millions of years old, and the only place that you can even attempt to try to fit in long ages is in Genesis 1 with the, with the days. Hmm. So we tried to put it in between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 by saying that there's a gap in between those two. Uh, we tried to put it in there by saying, well, the day-age theory, that the days were literally long periods of time. And Peter says that a day is like a thousand years. Well, that doesn't buy anything, quite mm-hmm. frankly. And when you, read the, when you read the context of Peter, it's not talking about days in Genesis. It's talking about the fact that God created time. He's outside of time. He's not bound by time. He's the creator of it. Amen. So what, we're, what we run into is that people are trying to take man's wisdom, the same thing that we did in the Garden of Eden, trying to take our wisdom and go to God's Word and say, God, I know what you wrote, but let me tell you what you meant. And when you do that, you absolutely undermine the gospel message because Christ died on our cross because the wages of sin is death. And the minute you allow for death prior to Adam's sin, mm. we have an issue. I'm not going to break fellowship. I've got dear friends that believe in old earth and millions yep. of years, but boy, we're going to have conversations because yes. this is an issue you got to deal with. Yes, it is. And I, I want to go back to something you said. You, you know, you, Carl, you're a passionate man, and, and uh, you, you talk fast sometimes, but you said something very profound that, uh, that, that, that God said it, but I, I believe it this way, or I, I see it this How, Can you? Ex- I mean, I, I even missed it. I can't even remember the wording that you used <laughs> well, on what you just said. God, I know what you wrote. But let me tell you what you meant, because you just didn't quite understand science. Okay, God, so I know what you take yep. on, God, yeah. I know what you wrote, but let me tell you what you just said, right? What you meant. What you meant. I know, yeah, I know. I know you said days, God, but you didn't really mean days. You that's, meant long periods of time, because that's what the day age theory. Or you meant that there was a gap in between Genesis one one and Genesis one two. God, we know what you wrote, but let us tell you what you meant, because we're exactly. kind of smart. You know, we figured this stuff all out here. You know, it's that, really an attack of God. Yes, and who are we? Who are we to to <laughs> even think such things? But that's what we do oftentimes. So thank you for putting it that way. It's very uh, thought provoking. But I want to just remind people: the book we're talking about is "Did Jesus Commit Suicide?" It's brand new, and twenty seven other questions that teens, teenagers are asking about the Bible. You can get that at Reasons for Hope website. You can get that on Amazon. And one of the things we wanted to bring you on and talk about briefly, because we teased this brand new debunked video, Carl, and before we wrap up this segment, we've got to talk about it, because it's such an important and, uh, well, it is a controversial issue. What is critical race theory? Well, you debunked it. It says uh, CRT is biblical. And that yeah. is debunked in five <laughs> five minutes. So share with us why you decide. I know it's a big thing in our culture today, this cultural moment that we're in in America. Even in the church, it has crept yeah. into too many Bible-believing churches. So if you can give us just an overview on why you decided to address critical race theory, and, you know, is it biblical? 
Um, I can answer the first, the second part in one word. No. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> it is not biblical. Uh, if you get the chance, uh, you can watch it on. Um, if you go to our uh, our uh, what is it Facebook page? Yeah. If you go to our Facebook page, look for reasons for FOR hope, and you'll see a link to it. If you just go to YouTube and you type in critical race theory and debunked, um, I'm sure it'll show up in that as well. But no, it is not biblical, and the reason we had to take it on is because so many within the church have started to social social justice is is something that is so insidious, man. I mean, come on, we are we have to love people, we have to care about people, we have to do all these things, and so yeah, you know, I, I care about their feelings. But here's the problem, man: just by me patting them on the back and telling them that they're okay when they're doing something that's so wrong. Is not right. If somebody's headed to hell, and I pat him on the back and say, "Oh, God's God, God, He understands, and He's going to forgive that," and He's not, I'm not loving that person. Mm. And so, even when a Christian says, "Well, critical race theory," you know, it's kind of biblical. It is not biblical. Mm. I mean, one simple example that we use in the video, and I highly recommend people watch this. Yes, yes. Is that what you're trying to do is trying to take the sin of the individual, all right, and put it onto a group of people. Mm-hmm. That's not biblical. We are each and every one of us going to be held accountable for our own actions. And so just in that one simple thing right there, we can say that critical race theory is not biblical. And when you look at it and look at the leadership of it, it is a very divisive and dangerous beliefs that's that's basically permeating, permeating our culture right now and having a, a huge impact on it. Yeah, and the enemy is the father of lies, and he is uh, the author of confusion. And man, are people confused about this issue. But I think as Christians, we have to do what you just said. We have to go to the Word of God and find, is this biblical? How can I find anything to back this up? So social justice, I would say the modern views on social justice, it's apostasy. But why? It sounds good, Carl. It's social. You want to be, yeah, you want justice. It sounds good. Why is that unbiblical? But this critical race theory, people don't want to look at the roots of Marxism. And we got to go back to the basics. Why is Marxism why does that contrast with Christianity? But unfortunately, today you've got to go back and take these steps. And you guys, man, zip through this. And uh, I'll just let you share whatever else you might want to add to, and then I'll yeah. direct people to that video on, on YouTube and on your channels. Man, I put it like this. I'm critical of race, period. I mean, <laughs> yeah. quite frankly, because from a biblical approach, what did God say? God said we all go back to one man. God said we all go back to one woman. Acts 17.26 says we are all from one blood, all from one man. Mm. And so, biblically, if you want to deal with racism, there is no other way that you can deal with race, uh, race, racism other than biblically and have any kind of resolution that's going to have any kind of lasting impact, quite frankly. We are all related. I don't care what you look like on the inside or the outside. We are all one race, the human race. And by the way, what I love to point out to people is that be patient, give scientists time, they'll catch up to reality. Because now, if you take and study the Y chromosome, which is passed from the father to the child, every person on this planet, regardless of what you look like on the outside, we now know goes back to one man. I could have saved a lot of time and money on that research. Mitochondrial <laughs> DNA passed from the mother to the child. They've studied every culture on this planet, and I don't care what you look like, we all go back to one woman. And by the way, here's a, 
uh, a quote that might be fun for you. It's from a secular, or a, I let me say a conservative source, Huffington Post. Yeah, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> and they now know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that every person on this planet goes back to one man and one woman and wait for it. They lived at the same time. And I'm like, can we get a collective duh? It's not going to work any other way. God told us that he created a man, he created a woman, he created them at the same time, and that's how we all came into being. So if you want to deal with race, there's only one way, and that's biblically. Amen. Carl, uh, you had me at give scientists time, they'll catch up. <laughs> I think that's, that's awesome. That's, that's the golden nugget from today. Um, so really, thank you so much. And by the way, I have this card that says text stay bold. Can you still do that? Oh, yeah, yeah. If you, if you would like to get me a debunk defender and get the debunk videos before we release them to the general public, if folks want to uh, simply uh, on, their, on, their soft, or on their smartphone or I guess you could even do it on your iPad, you know, whatever you can text on, you send a text message to the number 51555. So the recipient is 51555. And then all they have to do is, in the message, is say, stay bold. And stay um, bold. when they do that, they're going to get a response back, and they have to fill out that form. Fill out that form, send it in, and then you're going to get a link. And you're gonna, in the future, whenever we release a new video, a new debunked, you're going to get it before we release it to the general public. And it's, to, well, it's not totally free. I've waited until some people uh, downloaded it. Uh, <laughs> now, here's, how, here's, here's the cost. We're asking you to use them and share them. There's the cost, all right? Mm. Put these things to use, brother. We yes. want to put tools in your hands that you don't, you're not ashamed of, that you're willing to share with people. Amen. Guys, these are phenomenal. Debunked videos, unapologetic apologetic videos, hurled at breakneck speed. Uh, <laughs> Carl Kirby, thank you so much for your time today. We'll continue to talk about the book and the brand new videos, and we encourage you guys to check out Reasons for Hope. God bless you, brother, and keep fighting the good fight. I know you will. Hey, man, you guys are blessing us, and anything that we can ever do to help you, just holler. All right, thank you so much. And I will just uh, repeat that, friends, so you can text the words, Stay Bold, to 51555. So, uh, Carl, Kirby, um, what a blessing it is. And, man, there were so many nuggets in that. I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to this interview uh, later on today because there are some things you've you got to catch, friends. We need to be able to know how to respond to some of these issues in our culture. We can't hide behind church walls. So we've got a lot more to talk about. We're going to continue talking about critical race theory and some headlines and a few quotes from pastors when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So yesterday, I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to the podcast, but my goodness, um, we're trying to find different ways to share the podcast because we are censored, suppressed, shadow banned on Facebook. We've got 26,000 people that follow or like our page, and an average of between 5 and 10 people see or like or they don't even share. They, they like the video or, I mean, the podcast daily at StandUpForTheTruth.com. So that's just the way it is. They know we're unapologetically Christian, and they know we are biblical in our views, and so they censor us. But right, I want to just say, wow, um, yesterday's, when we shared that one over on my, one of my pages, my other pages, I mean, there's a lot of people that are liking and sharing that. So thank you guys so much. 
um, more than I've seen in a long time on both of my pages. So what was that about? Well, we talked about the importance of finding a sound biblical church. And if you find a sound biblical church, obviously you've got to start with the pastor and leadership. You've got to use some discernment. The Bible says, test all things. So how do you discern biblical churches and unbiblical churches? What we were just talking about with with Carl Kirby, if these ideas, philosophies, we are warned against worldly philosophies because they can creep into your church and your pastor might mean well. I'm going to emphasize that because I don't want to be too hard on pastors because most of them, most, mean well and they're trying to bring in things that will help you and sound good, but some of these things that sound good just aren't biblical. Critical race theory is one of those things. Um, So let me share, since we talked about finding a good church and some of the things, equipping the saints, uh, what's a pastor's role to disciple, to equip the saints, to prepare others for ministry, to go through the Bible verse by verse, to explain the teachings in Scripture, stressing the importance of prophecy, worldview, not ignoring or denying what's happening in our culture, in our country. That includes the left government Moral issues, political issues, why? They are, they are biblical, because you can find information in the Bible on how we should respond. Well, I just want to quote uh, Pastor John MacArthur real quick, um, and this, we were going to share this yesterday, but we ran out of time, and I love the, my goodness, the, the Spurgeon quotes and the Oswald Chambers quotes, but so listen to that podcast yesterday with Pastor Kevin Minsky. Um, And by the way, there's a reason that that particular church in northeast Wisconsin is growing while other churches are maybe stagnant or maybe losing some members. And it's part of it has to do with what's going on in our country and in the world that some pastors do not want to address. Globalism and socialism, other things that are affecting us. And other, also, it's what's happening in the church. So let's go to this quote. One of the sad, subtle consequences of the material wealth and religious freedom enjoyed by Western evangelicals is a widespread indifference to our eternal home. A life of comfort, ease, and acceptance has a way of curbing the appetite for heaven. People who are satisfied by temporal things and consumed with the here and now won't find the glories of heaven very compelling. But that may be changing. As the moral decline of our culture has accelerated in recent years, so has forceful, systematic opposition to Christianity. Believers, some for the first time in their lives, are facing open hostility and real possibility of persecution. And we shared a verse from, I believe, 2 Timothy that says, All who desire to live godly lives in Christ will suffer persecution. So if people know you are a Christian, and that's a big thing right there, friend, Christian, ambassador for Christ, that's what the Bible calls you. If no one knows you're a Christian, you've got a problem with God. And you've got a problem with disobedience and who you are called to be as salt and light in this culture, in this world. If no one knows you're a Christian, you, my friend, I encourage you to do a heart check. And I know I'm just pausing. 
purposely because I want you to think about that. Because there are some believers who don't think it's important that we tell people who we are or mention anything about God or because it's too divisive, right? Well, you know what? Let me tell you, eternity is divisive. Jesus was divisive. He is the truth. And he talked about heaven and hell. That's pretty darn divisive. I don't see much gray area there. I'm sorry. I got a little too worked up there. Forgive me. But So I want to go back now. <laughs> that was on my soapbox. Oh, Lord, help me. So I want to go back to um, what we were talking about with, past, with Carl Kirby. He's not a pastor. Well, you know, I don't know. For all I know, he could have been ordained at some point in his life. But let's talk about critical race theory and why this is important to address. First, let me start with the Bible. It's always a great place to start. You can look at the Old Testament, and you would think, well, all right, if you read through the Scriptures— it seems that mankind is one blood and one race. If you think about it, if you are different shades of color on your skin, and I didn't say white because white people are not white, take a white piece of paper and put it up to your face and look in the mirror. You are more, uh, I don't know, some uh, pink, yellow, olive, different shades of, of melanin. Uh, you're not white if People call you anyway. So, whether you're white, black, you know, you know, Asian, all the other possibilities in the spectrum of color or quote race, it's it's not a race, right? Our blood is all red, isn't it? And the red blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can save us. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. And we all bleed red. So Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, Paul writes, For you are all, well, does that leave some people out? Now he's writing to Christians. He's writing to believers. He's writing to people have, who have placed their faith and trust in the salvation of Jesus Christ alone. For you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ. You have clothed yourselves with Christ. And then verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For in Christ you are all one. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And, verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Let's just absorb that. Let's just get that from our heads, because many of us know, are familiar, somewhat familiar with these scriptures in the end of Galatians chapter 3, but let's get them from our head down into our heart. Abraham's descendants? Wow. One in Christ, one blood, one race, in Christ. Um, so let me go over to gotquestions.org. Uh, generally the term, and we've heard this, the abuse of this idea in this word, but the left uses it, and Satan, the author of confusion and the father of lies, has pushed this to the point where I've heard pastors use these words and preach on certain topics, and sometimes the topic is justice. Define justice. Well, you can't without the existence of God, a just, righteous, holy, perfect God. What is your standard, friends? 
So define justice. But anyway, when they talk about justice in our context in America, they take take it out of context and just say, here's what I believe systemic racism is in America. And, you know, you've heard that. I, I, I hope to God that you haven't heard your pastor preach on that and believe that that is something that uh, we should be um, promoting, the fact that, oh, yeah, America is, is eternally flawed because of systemic racism. Um, so the terms used, let's, you know, Carl said, talk about terms. Um, it suggests that race-based discrimination is ingrained or just, just woven into rules, laws, traditions, History, even if the actual text of laws make no overt reference to race of any kind in the Declaration, what is it? And and the the Constitution, and we don't have time to get into that. But uh, our Creator talks about Creator God, talks about the supreme ruler. It talks about uh, God and us being individuals, and God, and that isn't that interesting. God looks at each of us as individuals, not as a race, not as a nation, not as a generation. Individually, we each have to make a decision on what we believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is our divider right there. Either he is God and he has saved you, he's done everything through his sacrifice on the cross to save, or he is not God and you've got to find your own way, some other system of religion, of works, of uh, pursuing your own righteousness. So, but traditionally, though, the, the suggests the system is structured or applied with an unfair impact on a particular group. Now, the concept of systemic racism implies, implies that effectively racist outcomes can occur even if no participating individual personally holds racist attitudes. And even if no law mentions race. Do you understand what that's saying over at gotquestions.org? that it's still because the system is racist, it's eternally flawed, right? We can't change it, so we're all, you know, that it's just a lie. It's a stretch to actually believe that, but a lot of people fall for it, friends. So, I mean, prior to the dominance of Judeo-Christianity, broad concepts such as human equality and universal rights were non-existent before Christ. The world, they didn't care about human equality and, and rights. But what do we have, this Constitution, this blessed document in America that, that has, we, it gives us individual rights. Now, our rights from, come from God, not government. But our founding documents support these rights individually. Not many other countries can say that. So anyway, the Bible does promote impartiality, um, the equality of all people concern for those who are oppressed. Did you know you can be concerned for those who are oppressed without being an oppressor? (laughs) Well, that's what the Bible teaches. We can be concerned, but we're not oppressors. Now, I'm not saying oppression never happens, so don't misunderstand. And Christians ought to be open to the experiences and thoughts of others so we can respond to them, but having the discernment to not fall for the lies And we can't ignore these perspectives because some people, unfortunately, they've been deceived. As we've said many, 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 many times on this podcast, there are deceivers and there are those who have been deceived. 
So I want to share, I wish I had time to get into this whole article uh, by Ryan Baumberger, Critical Race Theory, It's a Cancer, Not a Cure. Um, he's the co-founder of the Radiance Foundation, if you're not familiar with Ryan, and love this man of God. Um, so he says the scholars and the, the elites and the left in our society want us to see everything through the broken lens of race. It's a human construct that has only served to dehumanize us and divide us throughout history. By the way, Ryan is what many would consider black as far as his skin color, right? That doesn't mean it's a race, but that's just his appearance. But here's what he said. He sent this out um, a year and a half ago. I got it in my email. Christ before color is what he's promoting. If you're, if you're recommending friends and family, listen to the world instead of the word redirect. If you're marching with a movement that wants to spread power based on color, redirect. If you're leading a church that has been silent about injustice in whatever form it takes, in and out of the womb, redirect. If you're prejudging or discriminating against someone based on the beautiful hue of his or her skin, redirect. If you're fighting for justice but not allowing unfailing love and truth to lead, redirect. If you're persuaded by a mainstream media that thrives on deceit, division, and demagoguery, redirect. And then it goes on. There's several more, but I just find his words to be very filled with wisdom. Um, but we've got to cut it off right there. Sorry we didn't get to more, but I think you guys understood some very important points today we're trying to make, and the church needs to know how to respond to these things. So tomorrow you will hear a Q&A that I did when we were in Colorado at J.B. Hickson's Church, Plum Creek Chapel. Thursday you will hear Linda Harvey on the podcast. She's back with us from Mission America. But i got to run. God bless you, and as always, you know what to do. Keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>